stand as I read our scripture this morning. I'll be reading out of 1 Samuel 16, 5 through 7 and 11 through 13. Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesus, Jesse, and sons, and invited to. Then Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We shall not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome and beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among the brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Byron, for leading us and reading God's word together. Well, good morning. My name is Danny, one of the associate pastors here at First Baptist Church. Have the privilege of preaching in this location and so delighted that you are here worshiping with us today. If you're new today, thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. We would love to know that you are here, and the easiest way to do that is to let us know by going to fbcsa.org connect right on your device. And so um, you can do that even now, and we commit to making contact with you at a later time, but we're delighted that you're here with us today. We also wanna encourage you to continue to give to be a part of what God is doing through this church family. You can do that by going to fbcsa.org slash give. Can I remind you of our mission here at the First Baptist Family? Our mission is to follow our Lord Jesus Christ and lead all others to a joyful life with him. Now, I'm gonna do something really bold and crazy right now. All of you are like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? So um, I've really been giving this some thought about our calling to be on mission in the city, and I was thinking, what if there was just one little way I could motivate you to do that? And so today, I have six Merit Coffee gift cards worth $10 a piece. And so I'm looking for six people right now who would say, Danny, 
If you give me that gift card, I'll make a commitment to invite a friend or neighbor and talk about this joyful life in Jesus. Do I have any takers? Do I have any takers? Come on down. I have six, but you've got to commit. You've got to commit to do this, and then you've got to tell me about the story afterwards. Come on down. All right, Letty. All right. Okay. All right, I've got three more. Who's going to make a commitment? Okay, come on. All right. Got one more, one more. So here's the deal. You have committed. All right, Danny, I've taken a gift card, and I'm committing by the grace of God and some boldness to invite a friend to coffee and talk about Jesus. And I want to hear about it afterwards, all right, so we can retell that story. Well, thank, thank you for taking some action. The rest of us, you two be motivated and inspired to do the same in your normal rhythms of life. There's a few things going on in our church family that I want to draw your attention to. Um, the first is um, Pentecost is coming. I believe it's the last Sunday in May, and there are a lot of really great things happening, one of which is combined worship. So uh, we will not be worshiping in here. We will be joining our church family and the sanctuary on May 28th for combined worship as we celebrate all that God's doing in our church family. And Pastor Chris has articulated very clearly that one of the ways that we want to celebrate is new faith professed through baptism. He's even said, listen, if you, if you lead someone to faithfully follow Jesus Christ for the first time, you have that privilege to baptize them. And so we have a number of people who are going to be baptized on that Sunday. Immediately following worship, we're also going to have a few festivities and fellowship right here in our church parking lot. Um, we're going to provide food at minimal cost as well as other opportunities for us to fellowship and celebrate what Christ has done in us and what he promises to continue to do through us as we love this city and the world and join him in what he is doing. So make sure you put that on your calendars. Also want to draw your attention to what we're calling Greater Men Midweek Group. We just launched this past Wednesday evening with 36 men who are saying, listen, we want to journey together to look more and more like Jesus in all the places that God has placed us in life, family, vocation, friendships, um, and that was really exciting. You don't want to miss that. You can, we have a little bit of everything for everyone. If you just want to come for fellowship, you can come for that. If, if you want to come for some sharpening our minds and hearts, you can come for that. You have the time to do that. But you come, be a part of that as much as you are able. Super excited about that. Lastly, um, at the close of our worship time today, we'll be commissioning a team that is headed to Poland so I'll be inviting you to walk over to Unity Hall and we will lay hands on that team almost like an anointing and praying God uses them as they venture together to Poland. Can we pray together? And then we're gonna go to God's word with one another. Father, thank you so much for your grace towards us. Lord, we are your people and your children because of your son who died on the cross and rose again victorious over sin and death. 
Lord, help us and teach us even today as we listen to this story about Samuel and the anointing of David. May we listen, may we see, and may we obey. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Would you go ahead and join me in 1 Samuel chapter 16? We have read those verses, the majority of those verses together, but I'd love for you to follow along with me as we hit some of those verses along the way. And I want to say from the beginning that God is looking for Godward men. And that's right. If you have your worship guide with you, that's the title of the sermon, Godward Men. And so this morning, I have something to say to men in the room. Now, I know what you're thinking. Like, what, Danny, you just wrote off more than half of everyone else in the room. Well, can I just remind you, when God made us in his image, he made men and women in his image. We are desperate for one another. We belong together. We need one another. So women and everyone else, as you're listening to this sermon, you just receive and say, yes. That's the kind of men God is looking for. And you also look for opportunities in the men in your life, the soon-to-be men in your life, to shape them according to what God longs for them. And who knows, along the way, God probably has something to say to you in this story too. So this story is about David. He becomes God's anointed one. And I'm gonna say something that might sound bold, but I think that David is the second most important figure in the scriptures. I think he's hugely significant. Not because he's squeaky clean. We know some of the baggage that David will carry later on in his reign that will stay with him the rest of his reign. But I think he's the second most important person in the Bible, second to Jesus, because of what he represented and who he represented and the promise that God made to him. Remember, God promised to him that, David, through your line, there one day will be a king who will reign and usher in peace and bring unity and reign over the nations for all time, and there will be no end to his reign. So for that reason, I think David is hugely significant, which makes this simple little story of Samuel, by God's leadership, discovering David and anointing him into that role. It's a pretty big deal. So just by way of reminder, at this point, the 12 tribes were still in much of a mess, even though they had been under the kingship of Saul. They had had no king prior to Saul. In fact, they looked mostly like the nations around them, the worst of the nations. They'd given themselves to idolatry and sexual immorality. They really looked no different. And in that period of time prior to Saul, God would occasionally raise up a man or a woman, Deborah, and they were called judges. And God would lead them out from under this oppression or this comfortable uh, comfortableness that they had been living in uh, in relation to these neighboring nations. Samson was one of them. 
God used Samson, even though he wasn't a godly man, God used Samson to stir things up because they were just looking just like the Philistines. Now, Samuel, who we see in this story, was likely born near the end of Samson's life. Not to mention Eli, who kind of fits in this story. We don't have time to talk about Eli today, but Eli probably was even a contemporary of Samson, a judge in another area, a priest. But we see Samuel in this story, who also was the last judge of Israel, priest and prophet. Samuel was bad to the bone. I mean, he was incredible, credible guy, adopted son of Eli. We also know during this time, under Samuel's leadership, the people, 12 tribes, began to clamor for a king. Samuel tried to warn them, you really don't want a king. God said, give them what they want. And so God set aside Saul, chose Saul for a season. Samuel anointed Saul, but Saul would, in essence, was a lot like Samson, was more interested in his own thing, in his own way. He cared more about what he wanted than what God wanted. And so God was still very much on the search for a Godward man to be his king. The kind of king that would lead the 12 tribes into unity. Because remember, they were just kind of these disjointed tribes, loose connections. But God was longing for a Godward king that would unify them, bring them together, that he would, might lead them to peace over the nations that would wage war against them, that this kind of Godward king would lead them into righteousness that they would honor the covenant that they had with God and that they would obey the law, that they would set their hearts on loving the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as themselves. God wanted the kind of king that would lead the people to be a part of what he's doing. We know what he's doing. What he promised Adam and Eve and and Abraham, you will be the father of nations and you'll be a blessing, not just to your own people, to the whole world. God says, I'm committed to that, and I need a Godward king to lead my people in that way. And so we know he sets his sights on David. So under the guise of a legitimate sacrifice, that's how we start off this story in verse 5, Samuel is going to Bethlehem to offer sacrifice, and he says, to the house of Jesse, hey, do you want to come with me? Purpose behind that, of course, is not to raise any suspicion. We know Saul was a very jealous, jealous king, as he would be of David soon to come. But under the guise of legitimate sacrifice, he goes to Jesse's house, and he begins to parade his sons before Samuel. And Samuel's been given the task that one of the sons of Jesse will be the future king of Israel. The first son comes out. Samuel's like, that's the dude because he looks good. I mean, he's big, strong. He's the oldest, most, the, probably the wisest of the bunch, most experienced. And God says, not him. Not him. Then God says something remarkable 
and telling for us in verse seven. Let me read that again. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He says, Samuel, you've got to look at people completely differently. You need to look at people the way that I look at them. Men, God is searching and looking for Godward men. He's not interested in what things look like on the outside. Big, tall, or handsome, that's all well and good. We know David is dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. God's not opposed to the attractive. But that's not where he settled his gaze. God's not interested in your financial security or how much you have set aside for your retirement or how ordered your life is or how invested you are in keeping a tight schedule. He's not interested in how everything looks on the outside. God is looking for Godward men. He's looking at the shape of their heart. God is more interested in what lies behind our motivations, the why behind the things that we have in our life. The why behind we've ordered things. The why behind of our commitments and priorities. David, who would write later on in Psalm 36, 1 and 2, captures for us the exact opposite of that, the kind of heart that God rejects. Let me read this. It says this in Psalm 36, 1 and 2, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. That kind of heart has no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, in other words, that kind of heart is only interested in themselves and what they want in their own way, kind of like a Saul and a Samson. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. God doesn't want a man like that. He does want a man, according to Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. God loves the kind of heart that turns towards him. The kind of heart that, that aims to look outside of himself to the other, God, his creator, and says, well, what do you have for me? And the kind of heart that has a great fear of this God who created the heavens and the earth. My life is yours after all. Where would you have me go? How would you have me live? That's the kind of heart. The writer of Hebrews says it like this. It is impossible to please God without faith. God's interested in a heart, a man's heart that's full of faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those 
who sincerely seek him. God longs for the kind of Godward heart, the heart that's turned towards him and says, my greatest good, my greatest reward is everything that God offers to me. Not the mirage of the philosophies and things of this world. And some of those things aren't bad things. Some of those are good things, but don't, I want the kind of heart, God says, where a man can look past even those good things and know the best thing and the greatest reward is in me. A Godward heart. God is looking for Godward men with hearts like that. A good question to ask yourself, men, is this. And I'm asking myself this. Do you care about the things that God cares about? Think about that. In the commitments that you make in your life, the arrangements that you have and the priorities, the things that you do, does, can God get behind those things? Does God get excited about those things? you care about the things that God cares about? Are, are the sails of your heart directed towards God? You headed that direction. Are you moving forward or Godward? Listen, God will let you move forward with whatever plan or priority you set for your life. He'll let you do it if you insist on it. So the question isn't whether you're moving forward or not, if you're accumulating more stuff or not, if you're achieving your goals or not. The question is, is the movement that's happening in my life as a man, is it Godward? Is it Godward? Normally, normally you always move toward the direction you're headed, right? You generally always move towards the direction you're headed, where you've set your feet, where you've cast your sails of your heart. That's usually where you'll move. In jiu-jitsu, if you don't know, I, I, I train jiu-jitsu. I have for a number of years. And a general principle in jiu-jitsu is if you can control the head, you control the body. If you can steer the head of your opponent, opponent in a particular direction, they lose the kind of control they want over the body. The body will follow. And that's true of us. That where our head is set, the direction that it's set, where the sails of our heart are headed towards, that's where we're most likely going to go. So where are your heads directed? Your heart. Do you have a Godward heart? I said a moment ago that God will let you move forward. A number of years ago, I think I've shared this story before, but um, I was with my family, and we had been in Kerrville visiting my parents at the time, and we were driving back home. But we ended up heading the wrong direction for about an hour. But we went the direction we were headed. We got on the wrong ramp, and we just went that direction. Along the way, we started realizing signposts, things didn't look right, that we realized 
oh my, we're headed the wrong direction. Now the Lord will let you move forward with the goals that you've insisted upon in your life. But if you're a follower of Jesus, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who I'll talk about in a minute, because that's where we're gonna go, is that our advocate will give us signposts, Danny, you're headed the wrong direction. You need to turn around. You need to turn around. That's God's grace. But my question for you today is, are, are you seeing signposts? Have you seen signposts in your life that says, I need to reorient my priorities? What happens next to David Verses 11 through 13, Samuel asks, this is after this parade of young men. And God's like, nope, nope. Samuel says, well, there's anyone else? Jesse says, well, they're still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. Stark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. That, so here's, here's the neat thing here. There's that verse where Samuel writing this says, by the way, this guy is very attractive. And then immediately following it says, the Lord said, this is the one. The point is, God could have cared less how David looked. He was looking at the heart. This is the one. Not because he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, but because of his heart. He says, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, man, they're watching all this. Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil, likely pouring it and also smudging it on his forehead and the spirit of the Lord. Listen to this. And in that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. The next verse after that, we know that the spirit departs from Saul. And God sets his sights on David. Samuel anoints him. Now, anointing symbolizes, anointing symbolizes God choosing someone who acts as a bridge between heaven and earth. Now, that's not my own words. Tim Mackey from the Bible Project said that, wrote that. That anointed one is a bridge between heaven and earth to live out the purposes of God in a particular time for a particular reason. In fact, that word for anointed one is Mashiach. It's where we get the word, anyone want to guess? Messiah. The anointed one. Pretty incredible, isn't it? In fact, when we get to New Testament, Jesus Christ, you want to guess what that word Christ means? The anointed one, the Messiah. Greek scholars took that Mashiach Hebrew word and translated into the Greek Christos. Jesus, the anointed one. David. The anointed one. Jesus would be the ultimate fulfillment. That was the trajectory of the line of David to usher in the reign of Christ. We don't have a lot of time to, to stay there, but it's 
wonderful that the fulfillment of the promise of God through David is realized in the person of Jesus Christ who would reign over all the earth and will in his second coming. And he'll bring peace and usher in righteousness. Can't wait for that day. But in that moment of anointing, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon David. Now, I don't know how many of y'all have that, um, the worship guide. I, I titled this, The Wind in Our Sails. I was reading that this morning. I was like, that really sounds really cheesy. But it's absolutely true. God found new David and peered into his heart and here's this young man who had a heart after the Lord. His sails were directed towards God. Now, David didn't know all there needed to, he needed to know about God. I mean, he probably didn't have a daily devotional or a quiet time, but he, has, he had eyes that looked beyond himself and sought to know God and the ways of God, even if it meant him stumbling along and figuring it out. That's, that was the trajectory of his heart. His sails were set towards the Lord, and the word of God says the spirit of God came upon him in power, feeling, filling the sails of his heart. That word spirit in Hebrew is ruach, which literally means breath or wind. Coming behind David. Jesus, when he would talk about the Spirit of God, he would say this when he promised his disciples that another was coming. He would say, if you love me, this is in verses 15 and 17 of John chapter 14. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, someone other than myself, because I won't be with you physically any longer. But I will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. Who is he? Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth or blows you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The spirit of God was David's greatest advocate could get behind what David cared about. Can the spirit get behind where your cells are headed, men? Can he get behind the things you care about? God is looking to anoint Godward men whose sails are turned towards him that he might fill the sails of your heart with a very powerful spirit of God. Is that where your sails are turned? They were for David. God said, I'm going to fill him up. He's going to lead my people into peace and unity and to righteousness. How do you know if you're headed in the right direction? 
some final questions to ask. How do you know if you're headed in the right direction, man, if your sales are headed in the right direction? Well, I think the quickest response, and this, this would be a longer conversation, but what fruit are your sales of your heart, are commitments and priorities in your life, what are they producing around you? Do they bring peace or stress? Do they bring unity with brothers and sisters and family? Or do they bring fear? How about righteousness? Do they lead to victory over sin and temptation in life? Or are you just reintroducing your life over and over again to the same temptations because of your commitments you've made? Do they lead you to loving the Lord and loving others more? Do they lead you to being generous with your time and resources to further along what God is doing? Are you, when you think about your vocation and your work and your relationships, do you see them through the mission of God? When we're, when the sails of our heart as men and women are directed to the Lord, it bears fruit over time. Fruit like that. We're gonna move into a time of response. And men, I'm gonna ask you to make some new commitments if merited, will you reorient your heart to seek your greatest reward in God, to be a part of what he is doing? Will you get to work honoring the commitments that you make today or have already made? Will you get to work there's no picture of the Christian life, man, where it's like, oh, you follow Jesus, and then it's just like a fairy tale. Everything just works out. You know that's not true, but what the words we do have in Scripture is work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Real faith is about putting your faith to work in James. Will you do that today? I hope so. I hope so. Let's pray together. Father God, Lord, I pray uh, for men in this room that they would be Godward men. The kind of men that the Holy Spirit delights to get behind and fill up. And Lord, for those of us in this room who know the commitments we need to make, Lord, by your grace, may we get it to work today. Not wait, not put it off. Our friends need that, those kind of men today. Our families need those kind of men today. So we ask that you help us. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. Thank you for joining us here at First Baptist Church of San Antonio, whether online or on broadcast, in your homes or wherever you may be. 
We want you to know that you are more than welcome to be a part of the life of this church. And we want you to know that we want you to meet Jesus today. In order for this to happen regularly, we need your support, we need your prayers, and we need your financial gifts. Please continue to give and be a part of what we do today.